Oh yeah, the Mario sound. We're back. It's above the break. Episode. Episode 36. And we're doing championship equity rankings. What is championship equity? You'll find out. As always, this is Nevin Brown, and I'm joined by James Piercy. Oh Hello. yeah. Hey. Hey bud. Love the love the Rockets hat. I'm rocking my Homestead Grays hat. Um, so you know. This is my uh I didn't get a chance to shower yet today hat, so I d I don't <laughs> want to look too too greasy, more or less. Yes, no, I mean I think I, I hats serve two purposes for adult or maybe three purposes for adult men. One, I haven't showered. Trying to hide it. Two, I'm balding and I'm trying to hide it. Three, I'm at a sporting event and it's sunny out and I'm trying to hide the sun from my eyes. I think those are like the three, the three things. They just, hats hide things. Yeah. Sun protection, I guess, is the, the, the most traditional function of the hat, of the, of the specifically of the baseball cap. Oh, yeah. It's a multi, multi-purpose tool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the most powerful things in the universe. Okay. Fun episode. We're talking championship equity. We'll see how far we get into the rankings, but I can tell you we're not going to get all the way to number one. But really, the fun debate is, you know, way before one. Because when you start getting in the top ten, everyone's like, well, yeah, no shit. These are the guys that move the league. Before we get to championship equity, James, what do we always do? Uh, talk about basketball on our yeah, podcast? Talk about, talk about the news. Talk about the news. Oh yes, we do. We do talk about the news. There's there's news this week. I know there is news. And the first bit of news. The NBA is going to do an in-season tournament taking a page out of soccer's book, European soccer. I mean, MLS I think does a cup or the US, you know, professional leagues do a cup. James, what do you think about an in-season tournament? Like, dislike, friend request? <laughs> I'm pretty indifferent. I guess I don't really understand like the purpose. I don't think it's gonna get me more excited about these games. But like at the same time, I just enjoy watching NBA basketball, so I'm not down on it or opposed to it. It just kind of feels like dressing up a pig to me to some extent. But I'll tell you, like you're 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 a soccer guy, so you've seen this function. So like, well, what are your thoughts on it? So there's levels to this shit as I like to say on a lot of things. There's Champions League, which is a cup competition, which is, I do watch, and it's awesome because the best teams from all the top leagues in Europe competing. So, like, that's awesome. That's, like, more competitive than the domestic leagues, which I, I also watch. Then there's, like, the domestic cups, which I don't watch. And the reason I don't watch is because, like, a lot of the biggest clubs and the best teams don't take it all that seriously. But that being said, the teams that are below the best teams do take it seriously because they're not competing in Europe. They want to win something. You know, it's when you go on a deep cup run and you're not a big club, it's really fucking exciting for those fans. And like, I think that's the value is there's like a chance that a fucking, you know, a team that's going to like be in the play in, for instance, could get hot. Like, I mean, fuck. The Rockets last year won eight straight games. If they do that in the in this in-season tournament, they could win something. And as much as people are like, oh, like blah, 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 blah. That's where, to me, this matters. I think the problem is, is that people go, well, the top teams don't care. 
Yeah. But you know what? We get to watch them and they get to care in the playoffs. But there's like what? Over half the league that like the regular season is just like them trying to like fight to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs or fight for lottery position by being as bad as possible. You said it's like dressing up a pig. And I think that's very, very astute. The NBA regular season for a large portion of it is a pig. It sucks. <laughs> no one cares about it. I don't see what the issue is in trying to add something in the middle of the yeah, season no. that gives it a little bit more juice, gives us a little more like, and, and this idea that the players will not care always bugs me. Bro, I have played pickup basketball. And th- those are guys that like, you know, didn't have the willpower and the competitiveness competitiveness or the talent obviously to make it to the nba and people will do the craziest shit and call the craziest shit at the end of the game to try to like eke out a win call them bullshit travels and like double dribbles and carries you're like bro like it's pickup these guys will care if there is a trophy on the line they will care like they're there because they care let me suggest one more potential issue with it before we move on the top teams probably won't care too much we agree on that the bottom teams aren't going to compromise their tanking goals to win this tournament, though. But why? If it doesn't apply to your regular season win-loss, or maybe it oh, does. Oh, it doesn't apply to your regular season win-loss. Well, we'll see. Does it? That's a good question. Does it? Yeah. If it, if it does, well, then even still, that's fine, I think. Because it's really what we want is we want the teams in the middle to yeah, have, so the team, have some It works for the fun. teams in the middle, yeah. Yeah. I think that's good, right? Like, I feel yeah. like those franchises have like so little to hang on. It's not like, oh yeah, we're gonna suck, but we're gonna get a great pick, or oh yeah, we're gonna make a deep run in the playoffs. It's like, can we see our team get butt fucked four games in four games or five games if we're lucky by a good team in the playoffs? Or the plan, right? People are like, think about the plan. That energy is real because shit is on the line. I, I like it. I, 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 but I do agree with you. It's like the top and the bottom. There's still the biggest issue with the NBA is the top teams and the bottom teams don't take the regular season as seriously as you would want, considering that's the bulk of your product. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's a good case. Let's, uh, let's move it on. All right. This, you want to hear something funny? The Celtics have no interest in Carmelo Anthony, even though Danilo Gallinari tore his ACL. That's funny to me because we literally like spent five or 10 minutes talking about, oh, Mello would be a good fit. Of course, they're going to go after Mello. So Mello's still going to be a free agent, not going to be in, in, in Beantown. Where's he going to end up? Is he going to stay in Los Angeles? Yeah, that's probably my hunch right now, right? Maybe on either of the LA teams for that matter. You know, I mean, it's just like he's a 10 minute a night floor spacer at this point. He could Brooklyn would make some sense too. Like just, just any team that's looking to contend could use an extra floor spacer. Cause they're hardly going to use them anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Bro- I like now, Brooklyn. I, I like Brooklyn. I like, I, I still want him to go to the Knicks. Like I don't give a fuck if this like Mello needs to Mello doesn't want to win a title because he's going to be more remembered as one of the best players to not win a title than you know, <laughs> yeah. be like, a bit piece on a team that does win a championship. And so like, no one can be like, well, he didn't win a title, but everyone's like, well, he didn't he win, win a title. title. Yeah, really yeah. Yeah. Title. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's true. Exactly. Carmelo, go to the Knicks and secure your legacy as being one of the biggest losers. Um, you know, man, I, that's a really good point. Cause like, I feel like we discuss those guys more like Gary Payton is a guy that's kind of getting forgotten. 
And am I right? That, yeah. that's, that, that, yeah. that's just how I feel. I don't have any, you no, know, no, I don't know I the think Google right, searches for Gary Payton or whatever. But. No one brings up, oh, like, you know, Gary Payton, like, you know, that, yeah, he did, he won a championship, but he was like a bit player on the, that Heat team. It's like, no, no he, just, that. he won a championship. Yeah, right. So he's not in that conversation of like, who are the best players to never win? Or like, it's just such a fun debate. Like, well, Charles Barkley, you know, one of the best players in the league, but never won that championship. Gary Payton, he's out of the conversation. He won the championship. I know. He's clearly not one of the best players, like very best players of all time. So I'm telling you, you if, if you're Carmelo, you don't want to win a ring. I'm just no. saying this for your long term legacy. Don't do not under any circumstance go to a contender. Yeah. So he should join the Nets, in other words. And then. The Nets or the Knicks, because actually, if the Nets, the Nets are very good, as we'll probably get they're. into. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. let's talk about let's talk about money. <laughs> NBA 2023-2024 salary cap is expected to be 134 million, 10.4 million higher than this upcoming season, with a projected 162 million tax level. So. That's good for teams with guys under contract heading that season because that's basically a f- extra pretty solid player roster spot if those you know your salary stays the same. James, I don't really care about this, but like that's probably good news for the Rockets because like they have a lot of money coming off the books. They can get rid of Eric Gordon because he has that fake final year of his contract that's not really guaranteed. Yeah, so are they gonna are they gonna go out and use cap space to sign? I don't even fucking know who's a free agent next. No one's making free agency anymore. It's horrible. I hate it. Yeah, I I, I think the Rockets will. I think that the Rockets will try to sign the very best free agent they can, whoever it is, because uh, the, the, we don't know our draft picks. Sans top four protection uh, for the next two seasons. So the, the like the the Rockets have this weird situation going on where there's like every incentive to tank for three years in a row and then there's instantly no incentive to tank you know so i think i i think that they'll make a run at wiggins assuming he's still around and it, at wiggins they'll they'll move down the list but i i do think they'll sign the very best players available at indiscriminately you know unless it's a volume scoring guard really they better not be going after andrew wiggins i like man because he's gonna get paid a lot of money, and like twenty five a year, maybe something like that. He'll get paid more if the cap's going up, and the cap's, going up, yeah. cap's going up. And man, Wiggins is gonna get overpaid. I can tell you this: if the Warriors have a good season and he plays, you know, the three and D plus kind of role he does, he'll get a lot of money, and he'll be a team's second or third best player. And they'll learn that oh shit, when he's your second or third best player, he's not worth that much money. He's he's in that weird position where it's like. He's worth thirty million if he's your fourth best player, but as soon as he's your third best player, he's worth like twenty million. <laughs> yeah, fair. I still, I just think the Rockets are going to sign the best player they can. We, we have a ton of space. I like it. You, know. you just you gotta spend money, make the team better. Fine, but I would, I would stay away from Wiggins. Okay, final bit of news: the most important news probably in the NBA offseason. If we're going to be frank and from like a like a human level. This yeah. long ass investigation into Suns owner Robert Sarver, which I believe began basically after an ESPN um, bombshell report in what February, January, around then, or is it even earlier than that? I think it was. I think it was uh, February, January of this year. Basically, said Robert Sarver, and I'm going to paraphrase. Um, they no one used these words, but Robert Sarver is a racist piece of shit. He is uh, sexist. Uh, Bad workplace culture, misogynist, 
and also did some like weird like stuff towards men apparently that i think people are kind of blowing out of proportion it sounds like you know he danced on a male employee or like pretended to at like a party which like while that sounds weird i don't think that's as like weird as people are making it out but he also apparently like dropped his pants like and we weird power stuff weird power stuff anyways the nba after this you know basically finding out robert sarver is a piece of shit pervert kind of creep slash not a good dude which oh big surprise really rich person kind of is a, a piece of shit um yeah so they're gonna suspend him for a year which i mean oh no so james how are the Suns gonna replace sarver as you know 13 and 12 night out and night out with that one year suspension um because he's really put up <laughs> yeah and then they also gave him a 10 million dollar fine i think both are the maximum allowable by adam silver james what are your like initial response to just all of this yeah i mean in terms of like uh what i think would be a, a morally valid punishment you know it, it, it it's not enough frankly like it's such a small portion of the guy's income and I don't really see a year's vacation as, as too severe of a punishment, you know? Like, I just think that the right thing would be for him to not own an NBA team anymore. But uh, Silver has done what's in his power, and that's that's pretty much all there is to it in that regard, right? So what, what are your thoughts? Uh, unless the NBA owners want to get rid of him, then... He's not going to get... They're not going to get rid of him. I mean, like, at the end yeah. of the day, I think, like, the reality is, is like the owners want to protect owning an NBA franchise. So by getting rid of him for this creates a precedent that like they can then get removed. So like I understand from where their motivation is coming from, why they don't want to get him removed. And we've seen this because I think the Donald Sterling thing comes up pretty frequently. They're like, oh, they got rid of Donald Sterling. You know, like Sarver apparently said, reported said the m-word on five different occasions which means he said it more than five times um he says it basically it means he says it um yeah. we don't know how he was saying it but that doesn't really change the fact that he said it because like no. you should not be saying that if you are if you look like robert sarver um because he is a white so yeah but the donald sterling thing people keep bringing up and here's the thing donald sterling there was audio of him being racist, which basically made it untenable publicly because we all heard it and we all know exactly what he said and exactly how he said it. That's how they got rid of him. But what people don't also know is that Donald Sterling fucking had like years and years of like reported legal battles over him having discriminatory housing practices. The NBA knew he was a racist piece of shit. The NBA owners knew he was a bad dude and they knew he had all these views that ended up being caught on audio and they never got rid of him. And that's the thing is that the NBA has shown for ages that if you are an owner, you basically can get away with whatever you want as long as you don't commit like a serious, serious crime or if you don't get caught on video or audio. And that's what they've shown and that's what this is. And people don't like it well, that's fine. That's fine. They shouldn't like it. And we should ask for them to sell. And I hope the NBA owners are saying, hey, sell the team. Broke boy. You only own 35% of the fucking team, right? Like, it's not like he, like, someone could just come in here and, like, buy it up. I 
I presume by getting the other shares um, yeah. to become the majority owner. Like I would just, if I was the NBA owners, I'd be like, look, man, we don't want this to get ugly. Sell the team. We're not going to force you out, but we're forcing you out, but we're not going to yeah. force you out publicly. Do that. Get out. You bought the team for however much, and you're going to make like three to five times what you spent on it. And just, you know, go build, go do whatever the fuck you want with that money. Like you ended up winning by being a piece of shit anyways. So like, yeah. like it, it's not even real justice. Yeah. One, one thing I, I want to add to it before we get off it or well, unless you have more to add. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen a few people say, well, I agree with you that the onus is now on the owners to, to, to push further justice, right? If, if they don't, it's to protect themselves because obviously a number of them have their own moral failings that they're trying to hide. So I would consider it a moral failing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of these rich billionaire white dudes are, are scumbags. So we'll see how it plays out, right? But one thing I don't like is when people say the players should boycott games and stuff. I, I don't think it's fair to put an onus on, like, for example, a 37-year-old Chris Paul to forego one of the last seasons of his NBA career because he happened to get traded to a team where the owner was a bigger piece of shit than probably the owner of the last team even is. Like, like, like I just think like these dudes, like then the players are getting punished for the, for the sins of the owner. And I don't like that. You know, I don't think that's right. Like it's already hard enough for them really. The yeah. whole situation. Yeah. So this is the thing with Chris Paul. It's trade to the Clippers. Don Sterling stuff comes yeah. out. It's trade to the Suns. Sarver stuff comes out. So Knicks fans, you need to be targeting Chris Paul if you want to save your <laughs> to franchise. Get Dolan out. Yeah. <laughs> to get Dolan out, okay? So if you want, if you want your your scummy white owner out, Chris Paul is the man. Should be is making Dolan jokes even about scummy it. though, or is he just like a bumbling fool in a bad rock band? You know, like... I'm pretty sure he's a a Trump supporter. So oh, is he? yeah. yeah okay. So you pro- like, here's the thing. I'm not gonna say there's a hundred percent chance you're a scummy person if you're a Trump supporter. So I'm going to say there's a 99.79% chance you're a scummy yeah, person if you're a Trump supporter. Oh, Anyways, yeah, for sure. Man, this yeah, is basketball podcast. I don't need to worry about conservatives listening. They're like, I, I can't. They 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 probably all would rather kneel for the national anthem anyways. Get, <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out. Yeah. Okay, championship <laughs> equity. Championship equity. Let's get to it. Okay, James, what is championship equity? I guess it's it's the, the the share that a player holds in their team's championship odds, and it factors in regular season performance. Granted, that regular season seeding affects your championship odds. Uh, that it's 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 your concept, frankly, but that that's about yeah. my best definition of it. Yeah, I, I like that. And then basically, I think what it then values is like once you make the playoffs, you know what types of players really really excel in playoff settings. And so that's going to value two way guys and guys with positional flexibility and probably on ter- in terms of offense, like the ability to create offense on your own and through that for others. So like uh, the offensive part, I think kind of carries over from the regular season. It's really when you get to the playoffs, it's the defensive aspect that I think is like most and crucial. I would say like versatility and portability yeah. start factoring in more, right? Yeah. Cause it's so, cause like, uh, there are some extremely gifted offensive players that are just very difficult to build around because they either, mainly either because they can't shoot or they can't defend, right? It's, yeah. it's usually one of those things, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, you know, for instance, like I think Russell Westbrook, like, you know, if you built a team around him, like you could be like the Wizards and like fight for the play in. But as soon as you get the playoffs, you have no real no chance to like yeah. it really advance. So it's like his championship equity is not very good, even though like he helps you win games. So the reason why I wanted to do championship equity is because I actually think when people rank players in the NBA, that's what they're doing. They're saying, who, who gives me the most championship equity? Because the reality is when people are like, oh, KD is a top five player in the world. I mean, look, like if we're talking about like regular season wins with his injury history, he's not a top five player in the world right now in terms of getting regular season wins. But if he's healthy in the playoffs, he helps you enough in the regular season and then he's there in the playoffs and he is one of the five best players to have if you're making the playoffs. Um, So I think like that's why I wanted to do it because I wanted to do what everyone else is doing, but kind of frame it in a way that I think they're actually talking about because Domitus Sabonis is like one of the best players in the world. He's just like the way his game is built. It's really hard to build a championship team around him. Even if he's like incredibly like incredible shot maker, great at generating high value shots, fantastic passer, right? Like he's a great basketball player, but like James, I think we both agree. If he's your best player, what are you not winning? Well, I, I, I look forward to talking about Sabonis because I, I think he's very instructive uh, in terms of what we're talking about here. But I'll, maybe I'll save my thoughts for when we get to him. That's good. Okay. So before we get into our top 50, technically like 51, um, let's talk about some of the guys that didn't make the list because there are a lot of good players. And granted, when I was doing this exercise, you know what I realized, James? The NBA has way too many pl- players that are good. Yeah, truly. Yeah, there's a lot of really good players. When you look at this list, it's like like you're about to list off the uh, the omissions, and it's like, wow, those are really good players. Yeah, if you build a team with the omissions, you might win a championship. Um, like one of the one of the players in this list of omissions was all NBA two seasons ago. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. So here's some of the omissions. Uh, if you want to fight us and say, oh no, these guys are actually in top fifty, that is fine. I wouldn't fight back. I think the difference between 50 and 75, like those players, what's their championship equity swing is not massive. And like, you know, fight all you want. You know, it's like at the end of the day, there's there's levels to this shit. There's tiers. And this is a tier probably from 40 to like 75 is its own tier of player. But CJ McCollum didn't make the list. And James, chime in if you want to say anything about any of these players. CJ McCollum, not on the list. Julius Randle, not on the list. Michael Porter Jr., not on the list. I do want to say something on him. He could be on the list. You know, I, I think we would both agree if the back is healthy, but we just, we just, we need to see it again. So he's someone that I would say halfway through the season, if we redid this, he might be on it. Kristaps um, Porzingis. If Kristaps is healthy, could he be on this list? That's actually a real question. Oh yeah, he could be. You know, like that's all I have to say about that is he could be like, like if you know if he, if he has if he has a serious bounce back year, if he has the second best year of his career, say he's probably on the list. Yeah, I I feel that way too. Next guy's I, I, in, yeah. I want to comment on the next guy, DeAndre Ayton, and I think he's close, but he's just he's not quite there for me. I I feel a little badly did not have Ayton on the list. This guy was the starting center on a team that went to the finals. And then he was the starting center on a team that won 64 games and went to the Western Conference semis. So part of me feels like 
what more does he have to do to crack this list? But I think the answer is, as I think you'll agree with, basically prove that JaVale McGee couldn't have done the exact same thing, right? Like, like yeah, the, the like, role is still limited. 90% of it, right? I mean, exactly. I think the issue yeah. with Aiden also is like, we'll get to the list. Like, there are other players on the Suns on the list. If Aiden was like also on this list, how the fuck do they not win a title? Yeah, like, that's that's not the you know. One, I think yeah. like at a certain point, it's like if you have enough championship equity players, you you should win. Win the championship, uh, yeah. Right. So like someone has to be the one dragging him down, and I uh, and Satan, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, this trio I think we'll touch on quickly: Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. They are three crucial players on a team that just won a championship, and I think a lot of people would think, oh no, you gotta have Clay in there. Did you not see what Andrew Wiggins did in the finals? Jordan Poole, he's a bucket. He saw the baddies on the side of the court. He said, I'm going to pull up from the logo. Enough of that. My opinion on these three guys is they're very close to being on the list, but I don't think any of them have like a great case. And I think it's more speaks to the depth of talent on the, on the warriors where they have like probably like three top 60 guys or between 50 and 60. And then, you know, the, like I, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, there's this guy named Steph and Draymond who I think are higher and definitely in the top 50. Yeah, I mean, Steph is obviously uncontroversial. Uh, people would contest Draymond, but we both think he's higher, and it's our podcast. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I love it. I love it. These next two guys play for the Sixers, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. Harris, I don't think anyone's going to argue. I don't think anyone thinks he's a top 50 championship equity player because, once again, if he was, I feel like the Sixers would have been better in the playoffs, right? Like, it's not that complicated. Tyrese Maxey, I like him, and he could definitely vault onto this list and high up it. It's just, I I, I need to see that, like, last year, the three-point shooting, like, where does it end, right? Because, like, he made such a jump that you you know he can't be that, not no. You'd be stupid to believe that's the level he's actually going to be at. And so I seem to see a bit more, and I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the year I was like, yeah, he's like top 30. Yeah. Let's let, let, let's burn through the the next them a little quicker because yeah. we got a whole list to get to, man. Oh, yeah. Nikola Vucevic, love him, but, you know, he's on the downswing. Ah, Scotty Barnes, Canada's favorite son. He's, you know, he'll be on this list one day. OG Ananobi, another Raptor, good player, but he's not the guy moving the needle for me. Miles Turner, Clint Capella, Tyler Hero. Don't tell me about Tyler Hero. You can't fucking defend. If he can't start for his team in the playoffs, he's not on this list. I am sorry. Like, that's that's my point. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to go to bat for Tyler Hero because I don't think he belongs on the list either. So That's what I like to hear. This one's going to be kind of come out of left field. Gordon Hayward, he's always hurt, but when he's healthy, his team's always like play much better. That sounds like championship equity. Jalen Brunson. And then my final one I put on, Reggie Bullock, who I love, one of the best 3 and D players in the league, but like all he does is catch open shot or catch open threes and shoot them and play good defense. Like there's a very defined ceiling to how good your team can be if he's your best player. And it's called the yeah. the lottery. Well, horrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he's kind of the antithesis of Sabonis, right? It's like he, he yes. Right, he he's the ultimate ceiling raiser, but he's no kind of a floor raiser at all. If he was your best player, you would probably go zero and eighty two. Ah, yeah, God, yeah. If he was your best shot creator, yes, you might go zero and eighty two. If he's your best overall player, player, who can your best shot creator be? Right, like because Tyler Hero is probably better than him, so. It can't be as good as Tyler Hero. Look, man, like that. Be Kevin Porter Jr. 
Yeah, he, like, the Rockets didn't go 0-82. That's my point, right? Like, you know, you'd be really bad, but if he's not your best shot creator, you have a shot. Because if he, if he gets an open shot, he's good, and he can play good defense. Like, that's that's real. Yeah, all right. All right. So, yeah, okay. But you're going to be a really horrible team if he's your best player, though. You'd have a shot at the record for fewest wins. I would you say that. would have a good shot, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd have a pretty good shot. Okay, without further ado, we're going to start at 50-51 and move our way up to number one. We're not going to get all the way through this. We'll see how we do with time. James. Hey, man. Sorry to – let's just let's just wing it uh, in terms of how far we get. And this is just a suggestion. I'm making it on the fly. I'm blindsiding you. But why don't we, like, set a timer for, like, like 40 minutes and just see how far we get? I like it. Okay. It is – all right. So at – 120 my time east coast so that would be 250 or two, yeah 250 yeah. 250 in st john's newfoundland we will stop talking and we'll see where we're at we figure this will be a, at least a two-parter possibly a three-parter getting through this thank god there's nothing going on in the nba right now because yeah. that's why you need to come up with these creative content ideas um because right. no one's ever listed the top players in the league before <laughs> okay let's start with number 52 on our list um he should have been in the honorable mentions but we both had him on our list and then like we realized we need to put someone else on and he kind of fell down the pecking order number 52 jaron jackson jr of the grizzlies i think both of us would put him higher on this list if he was going into the season healthy but he's not yeah, I, I I would have him as high as, looking at it now, probably 44th if he was going into the season healthy. I'm pretty sure that's where I would have him right now. Yeah, I, I think he's someone where his defensive impact could warrant him being even higher. Um, yeah. Just because I I have, you know, as you'll see, I have some defensive bigs up there that uh, I, I rate really highly in his ability to defend on the perimeter and play next to a traditional kind of center um, on defense is huge. He also at one point could shoot threes. Um, I don't know if that's ever coming back, but if it does... If it does, watch out. Yeah, yeah, like he could be top 20 on this list. But because he's hurt, had so many injury issues, the shot has gotten worse since he's been in the league pretty much. And I just you can't rank him in the top 50 in good conscience unless you're a Grizzlies fan, and that's no insult. Okay, number 51. 51, 52, 50 are basically the same. Just, you know, in terms of ranking. Let's just say Kyle Lowry's 51. I know I'm at 50 here, but I think the next guy I'll put ahead of him. Kyle yeah. Lowry. Kyle Lowry, number 51. He's great. He's just old. I I, I, I just have this strong feeling that he's done. I, I understand that there were some injury concerns in the, in the, these playoffs, but, like, when you're 36, man, injury concerns are just career concerns, aren't they? Like, what's he going to bounce back when he's 38? You know, like... It's uh, we'll see, we will see, but the man just came off like nine points and four dimes per game in the playoffs. I don't think he shot 40 from the field, like, he just looked washed, he looked wildly ineffective. I think he's probably a backup caliber player by now. I just have a hunch. Ooh, okay, so you're way lower on Lowry than you should be. I, let, me, let me say this he's still really like, I'll say this in the regular season, he was really good. He helped the Heat, uh, I don't like get the what the one seed in the Eastern Conference over. The Celtics, the Bucks, the 76ers, right? Like he he made them better. He has an incredible track record of being fantastic. He grades out way better in the advanced metrics than he does traditional box score stats because he's just good at those 
things that don't show up in the box score. He draws charges. He gets, he, you know, improves your defensive efficiency. He takes and hits a lot of threes. He like doesn't turn the ball over a bunch. He gets you out in transition. He's like, he's good at all these things that like we don't see in the box score. And he's done that for ages. He was a really key player on a championship team, although a bit a while ago, his teams pretty much always win unless they have to play in Tampa Bay instead of their fucking home stadium. Right. Like he's 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 a great player. I I don't think he's done. I think this season is his like his last kind of I'm a top 50 championship equity player season. That's why that's why he's there. And you you hate him because you're you're evil. Yeah, no, let me let me be clear. Let me say hey. one thing. I, I actually love him. I, I love Kyle Lowry. I'm a big fan. When I've been forced to watch the Raptors over many years, I always loved Lowry. I couldn't stand Rosen. When he was a Raptor, I always was like, you guys are suffering with this dude, man. The way he plays is, is, is insufferable. But I always loved Lowry. I always said Lowry keeps them float, does all the little things, really high field player, you know, uh, underrated shot creator because he's not really fancy he just kind of hits tough shots you know i'm a fan for sure I, I just have a feeling that it's time to decline we'll see his time has come uh yeah father time has come okay let's get to number 50 is that you know the wizards are going to win a championship because their highest rated player bradley beal comes in at number 50 in championship equity man beal could be higher on this list i'll say that yep. but he has injury concerns and he just had like by far the worst season of his like career in terms of like once once he broke out from being like you know a 19 20 year old so Beal could move up this list but once again if like he has a similar season he did last year he'll fall off this list i can tell you that much and the wizards will be on the hook with like yet again one of the worst contracts in nba history Oh man i feel for you dude well, cuz i was going to say what's 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 difficult with Beal's we've never seen Beal in a context where like he even should have any chance of winning a championship really. You know what That's I mean? True. Like, yeah, like just never been in that situation. Yeah. Those, the best teams they were on were like peak auto Porter, peak John wall. And like yeah. he was pre peak then, but like those teams were like good. Like they could have made an Eastern conference finals, but like they weren't going to make it to the NBA finals. And they weren't going to, if they somehow did that, weren't going to win the championship. No, um, they were never going to win the championship. Yeah. They were, they were fun teams. I like, I like those teams too. He's a good player. And if, he's your best offensive player and you have the right pieces around him. You can win a lot of regular season games. I just don't know if he's a dynamic enough athlete and good enough at the other things like defense and playmaking in a playoff series to like win you one against a team that like is better. And that's kind of like what championship equity a lot of times comes down to. It's like, can this guy like get you a series you shouldn't win? And I don't yeah. think Beal is quite at that level. No, I think he's a championship level second option but even then yeah he's a championship level second option basically definitely if he's your third best player you should win a lot yeah what um, if he's and if he's your second best offensive player and third best overall player you should have a hell of a team like a yeah. serious contender yeah all right let's move to number 49 one of our favorite players in the league who will never fall off this list until he retires Tyrese Halliburton coming in at 49 i love Tyrese Halliburton's game Me too, man. i mean I this is what I wrote about Tyrese Halliburton because I, I wrote little notes. Great player, unlikely to be a top five, top twenty five player in these rankings, but should be between forty five and twenty five for the duration of his prime. He's basically right there. I think this is where he's going to stay. 
fantastic, fantastic offensive players, can hit high volume of threes, catch and shoot, off the dribble, great passer, solid-ish defender. Probably want to see some growth there. Um, I think he's pretty good, though, isn't he? I, I, yeah, he's he's solid. He's not he, the thing with him is he's one of these guys where like you're never going to be like go guard the best guy. No, um, yeah, no, right, yeah, yeah. But he, he, you know, he's a good team defender, and he's someone where like if the mid range comes along really well off the dribble, or like he gets really good at like creative finishes around the rim. I mean, fuck, like he could be an All NBA player. I just yep. don't know if he has quite that juice. But you know, he's someone that like people didn't think was have the juice and he keeps showing as good as he's been already yeah yeah i'll I'll say this about halliburton something i really like about him is like if he was your fifth best player he would still be able to provide value you know what i mean yeah and spoiler alert the man that he was traded for demontis sabonis is a man that you can't say the same about i'm just itching to talk about sabonis here but like 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 you couldn't be more scalable than halliburton if he's the best player on your team with the right pieces around him Maybe you can make a play-in run, you know? Like, But on the other hand, if he's your fourth, fifth best player, he still spaces the floor, and he's still a really smart passer, and he's still a passable defender. So, like, he's valuable no matter what context. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's He is he is a puzzle piece Yeah, that you want because he kind of just fills whatever slate you need, and those guys are really valuable. Maybe we're underrating in terms of championship equity just because of that. But as a singular talent, I just don't know if you know how high he can go there. And he's just but, young too. And, yeah, he's and, also young. Yeah. Here's the thing: he's he might be the most val in like two years. He might be the most valuable like type of second best player on a championship team type of dude because it allows whoever you want to be that third best player on the team. Yep. All right, let's get big. Jared Allen, number forty-eight. I know some people say it's weird, but like. Let's be real here. This dude just made an all-star team. He is, he's like Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert's on this list. Spoiler. Yeah. But, you know. Poor man's Gobert, really. Yeah. He's just not as good as Gobert. And he might potentially be limited in the playoffs. But I think he's, you know, pretty good on the perimeter for a center. Like, he can survive. Yep. Great lob finisher. He's a little bit better of a passer than people give him credit for. No real jumper. But, like, you know. An elite rim runner with a little bit of playmaking and great rim protection and solid perimeter defense sounds like a poor man's go. Sounds you know like a poor man's uh, I don't know um, time lord. So yeah, he's on the list. He's good. He raises your he raises your defense to championship level. Yep, basically, you basically said it all, man. You know it, it, this is a type of player. This archetype isn't as valued as it once was, and, and, and th- yeah, it's possible that he can be out schemed in, in in the playoffs, but. He's gonna get you to the playoffs, right? He's gonna play a key role in, in in doing that. So he's good. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. If he doesn't get hurt, the Cavaliers aren't in the play-in, and they made the playoffs last year instead of just the play-in. So, like, yeah. he is he's a really valuable player. All right, let's talk about your favorite player in NBA history, number forty-seven, and DeRozan, Demar DeRozan is number forty-seven. Him and Jared Allen were tied in our rankings in terms of overall um, ranking between the two of us. I don't like DeRozan, but like I cannot deny he's someone that's actually gotten better into his 30s. His playmaking has come along. Last season, he, I think he had his, a career year, so expecting him to repeat that would be what I like to say is stupid. But he's a really good player. He can keep your offense afloat in the regular season. I think he really helps you win regular season games, but at the end of the day, like I don't think you can win a championship with a steady diet of DeMar DeRozan mid-range jumpers. 
No. So let me say this. I actually like DeRozan a lot more than I used to, actually. Uh, yeah. Because with the playmaking developments, I'm like, okay, now you have an element to your game, right? Like, now he does something besides chuck up fucking mid-range shots all night that don't go in, you know? Uh, he's incredibly skilled, and he's obviously really hardworking because he's always adding to his game, and I, and, and I appreciate that. If the guy could just connect from distance, man, he would shoot... If he shot... 38% on six attempts per game. He probably jumps 20 spots on this list because now he's a genuine offensive engine, like like a credible, like best offensive player, but he doesn't. So, and he doesn't seem like he ever will. So like if he can't shoot threes, it really negates a lot of what he does, you know? Yeah. And like, he's not- He doesn't have elite rim pressure either. Sort of yeah. There. Like he, yeah, he's a three level scorer, but he's not Morant where it's like, he, he just, he gets to the rim with such ease that it creates so much space for everything else, you know? Yeah, his he while he's become a good passer, he's just somewhere like his game. The way you raise your teammates' offensive level is getting to the rim or being dangerous from three point range because that opens up space for him. He doesn't really do that, and what that means is like he's effective because he's exploiting the space the defense gives him. But the best offensive players like take the space the defenses don't want them don't to have want to give them exactly yeah and he just yeah. doesn't quite have that also he's not a good defender if he was a good defender he could also shoot up 20 spots on this list because also shit, if, point. you know if he was like a good defender and he like you're like yeah like we have DeRozan, you can go cover the, the other teams you know best or second best offensive player and then whenever we need a bucket late in the shot clock we can give it to him and like we can he can get in the mid-range that's a super valuable player it's just like he's lacking is everything but the two most fundamental components. He's like, you know, in in a league that's trending towards three and D's, he's in everything but three and D. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Okay. The moment. Speaking that, of everything but three and D's. Yes. The moment James has been waiting for. Number 46 on this list. Domitus Sabonis, who I love as a player. He's like, he's a really great player. It's just, we've already talked about his issues. James, jump on this. Okay, so first of all, full disclosure, uh, I, I found myself thinking about this player a lot and uh, talking about him a bit because I because of Alper and Shangun. And, right, it always comes back to Shangun. No, but it's like a lot of, you know, there, a, a common talking point on Rockets Twitter is like, well, what if Shangun is DeMontis Sabonis? Like, what does that do for us, right? Gets you Tyrese Halliburton. Here's hoping, but it also, it, but not if, not if a decade of mediocrity gets Jalen Green to leave first, you know what I mean? <laughs> but so, yeah, or a half decade. Um, here's my thing about a player like Sabonis, right? Or well, Sabonis specifically is if he's your best player, your ceiling is extremely limited, right? If you, if you want to build your offense around this guy and everything, you're going to have a strong offense and probably a horrible defense no matter what. And uh, to me, he's the ultimate like floor raiser, ceiling lowerer, right? And 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 so that limits his championship equity for me. But then people say, okay, yeah, sure, but what if he's your third best player? The thing is, unlike Halliburton, he's got no scalability. If he's your third best player, you'd probably be better off with Nerlens Noel because like at least somebody's defending the rim. Then like, there's no point in having Sabonis out there to average. 14 points and, and, and four assists. Do you know what I mean? Because you're, you're giving up too much on defense for not enough offensive output. So really, either, either the system is built around him or he's pretty much useless. And if you build a system around him, you're not winning a championship. So to me, this is a nightmare player to try to build a team around. 
yeah. I like watching him. But yeah. yeah. I, I do think like actually like a team that he could go into and like help win a championship would be like a team like the Warriors, where like if you switch him, not with Draymond, but um with Looney. With Looney, I think he could be like like that offense that they could run out there would be just so absurd. And Draymond helps makes up for him on on defense, and you know you have the good wing defenders, and I think that would be a situation. But like, you know, we're like, oh yeah, you win a championship if he is like you know on Steph Curry and Draymond Green's team. Like, yeah, no shit. Like what we've yeah. seen is like everyone can win a championship if they're on those guys' team. Um, yeah, I agree with you. He's it's too bad. I wish there was yeah. more space for players like him. I know to make deep runs because he's really good at basketball and like. He's a great passer. Uh, it's just you know, it, it's too it's bad. It's much like it's much like uh, DeRozan. If the grades were pure talent, I think DeRozan and Sabonis are both more purely talented than the next like seven guys on this list, probably. Uh, but it's not just about pure talent. It's about impact, and it's it, it's about. Versatility, you know, so it just they, they they fall short on those on those scores. Yeah, uh, I will say this: twenty five years ago, you could make you could be, you could get closer to a championship with Sabonis um, as one of your best. Or DeRozan, or DeRozan, same thing. Yeah. So you know, just just build that time machine. Okay, the next player is like the anti Sabonis in some ways. Yep. Evan fucking Mobley. He's the only. I'm gonna. Break this news. He's the only sophomore player on this list. And the reason being is we both love Evan Mobley. You think he's we think he's awesome. He's always a little bit older than the other guys, too, which I think helps get him on this list. So, you know, that should be taken into account. So don't don't add us Rockets fans. Like, where at Jalen Green? Like not on this list because I don't know if you noticed, like, they won 20 games. Um so yeah. he, <laughs> yeah. he's not on this and, list. And it, it doubles back. To scalability again, because if Evan Mobley has virtually no offensive role on your team, he's still gonna make a meaningful contribution, right, on the defensive event. So, yeah. like, whereas a guy like Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham, for that matter, I know Cunningham could survive on defense, but he's not like good yet. Uh, those guys, it's like either they're a focal point or they're really giving you nothing at all. And if they're a focal point, you're not ready to win a championship. So they don't have that same. You can't plug and play them the same way. Oh yeah. Look, Mobley is a special defender. Yeah. And I think his offense could take a big jump this year. From what I'm hearing, his 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 jump shot like is looking really good. And if that's yeah, they the say case, everybody can shoot in, in August, right? That's, that's true. Say, everyone so, everyone yeah. can't shoot in August. But like apparently the buzz was so palpable that Zach Lowe made note of it and was like and like if he's hearing that and the way he's hearing it makes him think that like this is different than just like, man. Look at Kevin Porter Jr. He's deep in his bag. He's he's scoring floaters off of like these random dudes at these workouts. It's like yes, uh, there, there's levels to this stuff. Um, if he's excited about it, then I'm excited about it because I I trust him. Um, and I'm saying this, I wouldn't be surprised if Mobley finishes this season in the top. Like we we redo this, he'd be a top twenty five player because I think the defense is all defense level. And if his offense is what like if it get keeps getting better. He's special. He's special. I I think I think the Pistons and the Rockets are going to go, what the fuck were we thinking three years from now? And now that I, mean, they're gonna be- I, I mean, honestly, I do. Well, I, I mean, look, put it this way. It's similar to me with the Rockets picking uh, 
well, you know, hopefully, I think it could be a situation like when the Rockets picked Hakeem Olajuwon over Michael Jordan, right? Where in a sense, it's like, what were you thinking? But it's like, well, we still got an excellent player, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree with that. And that's, uh, that's, sorry, I also have a number one in my, in my in my redraft, and I had a number one in my pre-draft. Like, yeah, I think he's the best prospect in the class. He's special. He's special. Okay, Evan Mobley, Cleveland Cavaliers, twenty twenty-five NBA champions. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> next player, De'Aaron Fox. So the Kings have two guys between yeah. forty-four and forty-six. So that tells you their championship odds. Aren't so good, but that's not what they're here for. They're here for the playoffs. So De'Aaron Fox, I think he's going to have a really good season this year. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I think this is, I think is when he finally puts it all together. I don't really know if he can get much higher here unless all of a sudden he becomes a consistent 38% three point shooter at volume because for a defensively limited guard who is not a bad passer, but not an amazing passer. That's kind of what you need, even when you have tremendous rim pressure. Like, like that's the that's that's the separator for me is that that three point shooting needs to improve. So, yeah, that's that's all I got on him. Yeah, that's about you know my sentiments as well. I I, I really don't like the fit between Sabonis and Fox. It's not directly relevant to the conversation, but I I really think putting two on-ball playmakers that don't space the floor together is, is a recipe for disaster. But yeah, I think Fox is a talented player. If he can get it going from deep, you know, he's going to be a star point guard on a team that makes the play-in tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the question I have for you, I guess, is like, let's say he like, he's a 36 to 38% three point shooter on like six attempts a game. Where does that get him in these rankings? If like his defense and playmaking and rim pressure stay the same. Yeah, okay. That's 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 a good question. Let me take a look here. I think he can get him I think he could get him as high as 41. I I mean, I don't want to spoil the next two players, but I guess I just go ahead and do it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, yeah. Desmond Bain is great. Love him. Excellent player, but he he doesn't have the same shot creation. So if Fox is suddenly a reliable three-point shooter, then that's one score where Bain doesn't have him knocked anymore. You know what I mean? And now suddenly Fox's ability to create his own look matters a lot more, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he could skip Simmons because we know Simmons isn't going to shoot, and we know that that's a limitation in the playoffs, right? Um, if Fox can shoot, now we're talking about two dynamic on-ball playmakers with elite rim pressure, uh, and I probably would value... 38% three-point shooting on volume over elite defense, personally. And then, uh, I mean, a De'Aaron Fox that shoots 38% on good volume is as good or better of a player as Jamal Murray, in my opinion, right? And then then when we get to number 40 is where I get to, like, I don't think he can surpass this guy. Okay. So I'm glad you, 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 you dropped those. Desmond Bain, I think, is like, I, I don't even think if Darren Fox is at 38%, Desmond Bain still has a massive three-point shooting advantage in my mind. His efficiency and the distance at which he's able to take those shots, like he can take deep threes off the dribble. It's not like he's not Steph Curry, but like in terms of that, I think he's a, he's real, like he's not, he's in that tier of guys that are like in the conversation for second best, you know, three-point shooter. 
So I think Bain's three point shoot, and that's why I have him. That's why I think he is forty three. Is that like you know he's a fantastic three point shooter and is a pretty good defensive player. Awesome next to John Morant. I would be interested to see what he can do running his own offense because I do think his three point shooting gravity would make him have better rim pressure than people think he can have. Um, and then with Simmons, you know I love Simmons. For me, he'd be higher on this list. I just need to see about the back because in terms of defensive versatility, I don't know if there is a guy, any other guy who's capable of defending one through five in the way that he he it was when he was was healthy. Yep. Um, and so for me, that, that's huge. He's also a great playmaker, fantastic in transition, can get to the rim, like good rim pressure and finish. He just doesn't have the jumper. Man, like, you know, he, he's underrated, I think. And then Murray... I, I agree, I agree. Yeah. And I, I I think he's rightfully over Fox right now, you know, oh, because yeah. we're talking about a hypothetical Fox that's knocking down 38% of his six or seven three-point attempts per game, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if Simmons is hitting, like, taking three three-pointers a game and hitting 30% of them, like now he's better than Fox again. Even yeah, it's like, it's like how much Fox, how yeah. the thing is like how far does that move him up the, those rankings? Because I don't think like that's a crazy thing to see him develop into because he's going to get open threes, right? Like he's going to get the Giannis treatment. Well, um, I know you don't like this man, but frankly, I think that Simmons has a strong and 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 crippling. Is that a bad word to say? I, I, maybe we could edit this. I don't know, but like that's fine. He, yeah, uh, a version. And mental block to shooting threes. I re- I really just think that in his mind, he's just like, I am not going to shoot threes. It's like, a, I think he's phobic. I get it. Actually, no. It's like, I think there is like, you know, uh, anxiety there. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then uh, Jamal Murray, like, I like Jamal Murray. He's coming off the ACL. I think he's someone where like his metrics would be better if he wasn't playing next to Jokic just because he would get more opportunities to show it. But he's a really good player and we'll have to see coming off of injury. If you know, I'm putting him here because I'm thinking he's going to come back and be around where he was at, maybe you know, a little bit worse. He's someone that could move up or down, but you know, Murray's not someone I think that can blow past 30 in these rankings, no, you know, at all. You know, I think he's sorry, yeah, I think he's kind of like you know, pigeonholed between 35 and 45 at the moment, and we'll see how he is post injury. I agree, Murray. I think he's really one of the most impressive tough shot makers I've ever seen. Like he, he can just hit some shots that it's like, I have to watch that five times before I can even really compute what happened. You know, he's really got that kind of bag, but he just, he's just not all that well-rounded a player, you know, like, like he, he's, he's just an elite scorer in a playmaker in a point guard's body. Uh, and that's really about it again, from like an impressive or skill standpoint, he's higher, but in terms of on-court impact, I like him. He's good, but he's probably yeah. He's probably not getting out of the top forty. Yeah, he's he's not good enough at creating easy shots, and like that ends up being like the separator for being a good player and a great player. Is like how good are you at creating easy shots, even if you're a tough shot maker? Okay, let's get to number forty because you kind of you kind of tease that you can't. Some people can't surpass number forty. Ant Man, Anthony Edwards at number 40. This is all projection based because based off his like production last season, I don't think he was one of the 40s best players. But I think I think he's gonna, you know, continue to get better. The defense for me is the key thing. He got better on defense last season. And I think when he just starts like I think he needs to start driving the ball to open up his three point shot instead of jacking threes to open up drives. Yeah. And I think once he starts doing that, he'll shoot up these rankings because like Dude is a freak. And now he plays defense and like, you know, 
he's like if you took Jalen Brown but made him more crazy athletic, and so he'll shoot past Jalen Brown, I think, next season. But I'm putting him here because I'm not 100% confident Anthony Edwards is self-aware enough at this stage in his career to change his game in the ways to get to the next level. Yeah. Uh, Edwards is a super dynamic shot creator with the athletic tools to be like a plus defender as well. And I think that's a leap that we'll probably see him take uh, at some point in his career, if not next year. And with no major holes in his game, or at least holes that aren't like fixable, you know, he's got the athleticism to be a great defender. And I, I think he's flashed some pretty decent passing chops so far as well. Like he hasn't made it a feature part of his game, but on tape, he could throw some pretty nifty passes. He's, he's a really complete offensive player. And as you said, a, a physical monster. So I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Calm down. Um, ah. So number 39, DeJounte Murray. I'll let you take the floor on this one because I think, you know, DeJounte Murray better than I do. Yeah. I'm a little surprised you ended up this high. I almost wonder if we, if we aired a little, but like not much lower though, not much lower. I, I, I I think that Murray, first of all, I think he's one of the best point of attack defenders in the league. Like he, he, he can lock down guys and he can guard really like one to three, if not four. I think he's got a good, he's got a really great wingspan, like elite wingspan at, at his size and a pretty good like center of gravity and just overall strength to, to hold bigger defenders when need be as well. And I think he's got really good rim pressure and he's a really good playmaker. The only thing that's missing is obviously the shooting. I don't love the fit alongside Trey Young, as we've talked about a good bit. But, like, in a vacuum, yeah, I think he's really underrated and one of the more impactful young guards in the league. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt with this ranking, is that I was like, look, like, DeJounte Murphy wasn't on the Hawks, I think would, like, build up his team's championship equity more than he is going to on the Hawks. Because we both agree that, like, the fit on offense is a little bit weird, but the fit on defense is is probably going to be really good. He's a two-way player. He's a guy that when he's in charge of the offense, he can generate efficient, good looks for himself and others. And that's super valuable from a guy that can fucking lock down someone else's best player. So for me, he's 39, but like, I think that's totally fair. It's just the issue is, I don't know if he's going to be 39 and impact for championship equity next to Trey Young, because I, I personally feel like Trey Young is one of the more difficult guys to build a really good team around. Um, even though he is so awesome and can basically, he can basically give you an elite offense all on his own. As long as you know, you have like solid players around him that can hit shots, but like he creates a lot of problems for integrating another good offensive player. And then on top of that, he makes building a good defense damn near impossible. So part of that bleeds into the next player and i'll go ahead and announce him and, and share a few thoughts on him it is lamello ball i personally love lamello ball just from a oh, strictly yeah. subjective point of view he's like probably literally my favorite player to watch right now uh I, lo- I, lo- I just love passing you know you know i love passing oh yeah yeah but i do wonder if he poses those same issues as trey young like does lamello ball play a brand of basketball that necessitates um heliocentrism you know uh how, how would a co-star fit with him he hasn't had one right that yeah that is true unless you consider yeah his co-stars have been guys where i'm like even if they weren't going to prison would not be on this list yeah exactly 
Um, no, I think Lamelo Ball is actually super portable because he is a really quick decision maker. So when he play, and he's also a really good high volume three point shooter, especially on catch and shoot. So like when he doesn't have the ball, he can space the floor. Like, would you like him to? That's ideally- true for Trey. That's true. And so let's talk offense. Throw defense at the window for a second. Why is Melo more portable than Trey Young? Because Lamelo Ball actually has like played off the ball next to like real point guards more in his career, and he's done it and been like totally fine. Like, remember, he didn't start his rookie season. Like, he wasn't a starter to start his rookie his um, his career. They like eased him into that. He's also bigger. And like being big and a great passer is more valuable than being small because he doesn't actually need like Trey Young's a great passer, but he needs that pick and roll. He needs the pick to create the space and he can't make every single pass at just in isolation the way LaMelo can. And on top of that, LaMelo is like a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. And like, I think he, the way he, he, because he's not as good actually at getting into the lane and getting towards the basket as Trey Young is, he doesn't have that same, like, he doesn't dribble the ball as much and, like, try to do that. And, like, essentially, Trey Young has all the skills and the talents and the traits to be, and he's way up this list for a reason, to be a great off-ball player. He just hasn't really shown the willingness to utilize him in that way, and that's not his fault, but at the same time, it is, like, we can't do the, it's, like, I remember arguing with someone. I was like, yeah, man, LeBron's a better passer than Jordan. They're like, oh, well, if Jordan wanted to, he could have been a better passer than LeBron. I'm like, well, here's the thing. He didn't, so he can't be. Like, that's that's the trade-off he made because he wouldn't have scored yeah. as many points if he wanted to have been the better passer than LeBron. So then maybe LeBron I mean, so would have been the better that, score. That comes, to, that comes yeah. down to an eye test versus numbers test to a certain extent, I guess. But I don't – I mean, I just don't think the evidence is there on either score. Like, if you go put LeBron James's 10 best passes up against Michael Jordan's 10 best passes, I don't think you're going to come away going, oh, yeah, Michael Jordan was a much better passer. Like, I, like certainly that, not. That's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, yeah. I think LaMelo is, like, a much better – I think he has much more ability off the ball than he does – than maybe, maybe he doesn't have more ability off the ball than Trey Young. It's just, like, his on-ball dominance hasn't been quite as established as Trey Young's, where it's like, Trey Young has guided the second best offense in the league as being a heliocentric option. LaMelo hasn't yet done that. So there's not the like, maybe he's just like, you know, he's like, I'm cool not dribbling the ball all the time. I like LaMelo ball. Uh, he's great. Also, he's big. So he'd probably be better defense than. Oh, most likely. Yeah. I love him. Let's, also, let's, why are we let's... talking about Trey Young so much? I feel so... he's like, he's way up this fucking he's list. Way up here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So let's move. Let's move on then. Okay. This guy is probably lower than some people would expect. Jalen Brown, he's our first Celtic we've talked about, and we will talk about more and more than one. I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Brown. Not that saying I don't think he's a very good player. I just feel like he has been put in a tier of player that he is not really quite there yet. He's a good isolation scorer, can create his own shot, cannot dribble, so he is susceptible in playoff situations situations where teams start doubling him and like really focusing on him on defense where he can turn the ball over in bad ways. So like he has some limits there. His defense is good, but it comes and goes. And I think it's at this point a little bit overrated, but he's still a good two-way player. Like to find a guy can score like that and defend like that is really rare. He doesn't give you much of any any playmaking. He's not a bad three-point shooter, but I wouldn't say he's a consistent floor spacer. 
He's a really good player. He's better than Andrew fucking Wiggins, but I don't know how much better than Andrew Wiggins he really is. And so, and let me put it this way. If Jalen Brown's your best player, I don't think you're a playoff team. That That is probably true. I, I guess I might say that with like with just the right pieces. If you've got a second and third best player that are kind of close to him and everything oh, yeah. fits just right, you know, like maybe you got a Miles Turner in the middle to where you can build anything around it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like with with the right pieces, yeah. But as a, generally, I would agree with you. Yeah, he's he's not a suitable best player on an NBA team. Put it that way. Yeah, and that's why he's in a great position being on the Celtics. Um, do you have anything else to add about like just his game? Um, what would I like to say about Jalen Brown? I mean, he looked better than Tatum for stretches over these playoffs at, you know, at times. Yeah. I think he's really good. To be honest with you, I think he's probably better than the next two guys on this list. I'm I'm surprised that I rated him lower, but there is part of it is it's it's, part of it was an aggregate rating. So yeah, yeah. But I let's, 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 let's let people peek behind the curtain. So I made my top 50 James made his top 50. I averaged it out and then, you know, ranked it through the average. So, James had Jalen Brown at 34. I had him at 39. So that's why this is. Oh, so I did have him over. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was one of the players where we had, um, we had the biggest discrepancy in terms of our, our ratings of them. Um, so that's why this conversation is happening the way it is. Now the clock is about to run out here, man. I know. Uh, let's, uh, let's try to get these last two guys in. Yeah, let's get the last two guys in. Good call. All right, okay. so we'll get to 35. Not bad. Uh, knockout 15 plus the other thing. All right, number 36, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Ah, man, I, I think he's better than DeMar DeRozan. I really think the Bulls oh, yeah. need to run their fucking offense through him. He's a three-level scorer. He's a good high-volume three-point shooter. He can get to his spots and hit in the mid-range. He can get to the rim. Not a great defensive player. I think his playmaking has gotten better. He just hasn't gotten to showcase it. I think he's a good player, and I think if he's your best player, you can have a good offense, and he's the type of player that's offense is very useful in the playoffs. 36 for a reason, but that's the highest guy on the Bulls, and so that's why they're not going to win a title. Yeah, well said. I, I think Brown-Levine is a, a pretty instructive, interesting comparison in in the way that Levine is a better offensive player. He, he He's more efficient on similar volume, and I, I think that the film would show you that he's more dynamic and, and he's got more moves he's harder to predict you know he's he's a more impressive athlete as well so the rim pressure is better like like he's a better offensive player right oh yeah but uh brown is a better two-way player so and it's a really narrow margin between those two guys and and your ranking probably shows what your preference is on that score you know like are you willing to sacrifice a little bit of offensive dynamism dynamicness (laughs) uh dynamism dynamisms that's a word that's a word dynamism yeah yeah i think i look i think it is let's just let's just act you got it right the first time come on all right always right never wrong (laughs) yeah but are you willing to sacrifice a a portion of that to to get some extra defense i am but that doesn't mean it's it's definitely right either you know yeah and i think i think honestly like you know depending on how the season goes for both of them levine i'm not you know he just came up he had a knee surgery on the knee he already tore an acl on you know brown has improved every year pretty much throughout his career. 
Um, not as much as some people make it out to, but he's consistently gotten better. Levine's also gotten better, but there's the injury concern. So these guys could flip. One of them can take a massive jump. One of them could fall down um, on this list. But, um, you know, that's why they're like ranked next to each other. It doesn't mean I really think Levine's that much better than Brown. It's just like you got to split hairs at some point. Yeah. All yeah, right. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get, let's do this. Number one more 35. Then. And then we'll call it a wraps on part one. Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans is at 35. James, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Yeah, Ingram is a really good player. I, I, I think it's funny that the Zion absences have probably helped him and in the long run might have helped the Pelicans because he was forced to step up and he did it. I, I think he's added a lot of playmaking to his game in the past couple of years. I think his defense has come around too. Uh, he's a very well-rounded player at this point, man. And I, I don't know if he might be a guy that keeps gradually adding to his game until the point that in a few years we're going, is Brandon Ingram like a top 15 player? You know, like he, he, he might be a slow burner. He might be one of these players that like just sneaks into the ranks, you know? He's really good. He's really good. Um, he, I'm not as high on him as some people are, um, mainly because like his defense has improved. I don't think he's a plus there. He can be plus at moments, but as I say all the time, like being a great defender is about every single last second of every single defensive possession yeah. being turned on, and he's not one of those guys. So I don't think he'll ever be a good defender because. I just think like that's a, I actually think that's a skill and that's a trait that guys in t- in naturally have where it's like some dudes can be turned on 24 seven. Some dudes can't. Um, and like that's what separates the greatest players a lot of times from just really good players. And I think Ingram's kind of just a really good player. His offensive games improved. Uh, he's someone where he could take an offensive leap that gets him to that top 15 range. I just don't know if I see it because I don't think he has the burst or the length to be able to like generate a ton of rim pressure. And then you have he to does be have in- wiggle. He does have wiggle, but it's like, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like Durant is taller than him, right? Yeah. Like he gets compared to Durant, but Durant is taller than him. So it gives him like the ability to be better around the basket, more difficult to cover in the mid range. So, He's someone where I think we are like, oh, like he looks like Durant. It's like, yeah, but like the difference between him and Durant is like being like an inch or two taller is like a huge advantage in the NBA. It's and, sort of, yeah. Sorry. Ingram is to Durant as Sabonis and Shangun are to Jokic, right? Like it's like that's similar. It's like, oh man, this guy's almost exactly the same. It's like, yeah, but it's that little margin that makes all the difference though, right? Yeah. Like, it's like those, those, yeah. those two, three inches really fucking matter. And it's like, it's, it makes Jokic like better at defense. It makes him like harder to defend in the post. It means like he can get off more passes. It means he can do things in different ways. That's more valuable. I think Ingram's a really good player. I think he's a perfectly good player as your second best player. If you want to be a really good team, if he's your third best player, you better win a fucking championship with that roster. Uh, because yeah. if you don't, you, you, you will have left something on the, on the floor. And he could take a jump. I I admit it. I think I have been too low on his potential for a while, and I'd like to say that. But um, well, so I, was I. And and over the past year or so, I've sort of come around to like maybe Brandon Ingram's a better player than I thought he was. But time will yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see. And you know, he he, you know, if I'd been the Nets and I could have had him and Simmons, um, in a hypothetical Durant trade, even though they weren't allowed to because of dumb rules. 
I would have been I would have been very open to that if I got a bunch of picks back. But um, that's and fair. that that yeah. says a lot about him. It's going back to Jalen Brown. People are like Jalen Brown's tired of being in trade conversations, bro. You know how much of a compliment it is to be in trade conversations around Durant, Damian Lillard, like James, James Harden. Harden. Like, yeah. dude, like that is like the biggest compliment you can be paid. It's like, oh, they don't want me. They don't want me. They don't want me, dude. They're saying they think you can get them one of the five or ten best players in the world, which means you're a fucking beast. Like, it means they love you as a player. Just means, they, would you know, some, it, they don't they don't think you're the best player in the league. That's all it's that's all it's saying, right? Yeah. And, and and that's okay. You're also not. it's it's also it's like dudes like, oh, they like it's like, dude, if they were offering Jason Tatum instead of you, would you be like, would that make you happier? Good point. Or is it yeah. like is it like one of those things like I don't want them to be talking about trades at all? It's like, dude, okay. Let's go, man. Come we on. got through to 35. That means we have from 34 on. We'll get to it next week. I think there's a chance we might be able to bang it out. It depends on the on how much news there is. I think we we, we got through the honorable mentions too, so we really got through more like 2025. Yeah, we got through a lot stuff. of guys. We got through yeah. a ton of guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed um our rankings. That'd be like some of our insights. When we start getting in the top ten, that's when we uh, get a lot of, a lot of fun. What I plan on doing is I plan on basically assigning a point value to all of these guys in reverse order. So number one gets gives you 50 points. And I wanted to see which teams have the most championship equity points when we're done with this. Yeah, I love it. And we'll see if like, if like that, like we'll change our mind about like picks in terms of like who we think are going to be good or does it just say like some teams are top heavy, some teams have great depth. But uh, that'll be a fun kind of, you know, offshoot of this. All right, that was episode 36 of above the break it's championship equity rankings i guess i should have said part one i was hopeful that we could get through all of it but that's never the case so championship equity part one as always this was nevin brown i'm joined by james pierce all right do you have anything you want to plug nah nah all right yeah me neither i don't, I don't much plugs. no fuck plugs fuck plugs um okay fuck plugs that's that sounds like a sexual toy. Now that I say it. Um, sexual toy. <laughs> yes. Um, remember to like, subscribe, rate, review. I want to get stuff out on YouTube. I'm just lazy. Hopefully I will this time. Um, sorry about that. But you know, when you don't make money off of stuff, it, the motivation is not always there to go above and above and above and beyond. We'll be back next week to finish out our championship equity rankings. Fingers crossed that's, that's the case. And as always, we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.